With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Your host. I'm joined today by Eric Nalin, Inside Texas publisher. Uh, Eric, let's just get going right away. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, let's get going right away. Texas picks up uh, its second commitment of the 2023 class, uh, and it's Dylan Spencer, a young man uh, out of Houston C.E. King High School. Uh, he chose Texas over a host of other suitors, including LSU, A&M, Southern Cal, Baylor. Uh, you actually went a little bit further in your discussions with, uh, with him uh, and found out that he has a uh, kind of a back-channel relationship with Bo Davis, the Texas defensive line coach, through his own defensive line coach at C.E. King, Walter Morham. Uh, what, did, what else did you find out about uh, Dylan Spencer that we didn't necessarily talk about right, at, right out of the gate uh, when he committed on Tuesday? Yeah, well, when I found out that relationship between Coach Morham and Bo Davis, that was about six months ago, and that really caught my attention because, you know, Coach kind of threw it in there as, as a back burner topic, and I said, wait a minute, you know, you, you and Bo Davis are, are close, and, and he went a lot deeper on it and told him their relationship dating back to both being Pete Jenkins' uh, disciples. Uh, but the way he was talking about Bo Davis, I knew right then and there that Texas was was going to not not necessarily have an ally. I'm not saying that at all, uh, but that, you know, when when Dylan was going to go to his coaches, hey, what do you think about this situation that he was going to hear good things, positive things about Bo Davis? Uh, coach Morham had been a college coach at, at some of the smaller schools uh, for a long time, and he kind of knows the recruiting game. Uh, he knows who the used car salesmen are and who the people are that actually get it done. And I think that relationship with Bo Davis uh, certainly uh, help, help Texas, but also Bo Davis just uh, staying on him throughout. Uh, he was very consistent, probably the most consistent uh, there was. And I think, you know, while Bo Davis gets a lot of credit, I think uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, this stems from uh, Pete Kwiatkowski identifying him as such a good, uh, good fit for the defense as well. So Bo Davis definitely gets credit for the, for the win, but also the identification is important. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's a lot like Dre Bledsoe's recruitment the year before that Bo Davis also won. Uh, Bo was the constant. He was the one that was uh, that earned the trust, and he earned trust here again, and, and it won out. And uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. He's got a Dylan's got a younger brother, Alexander, who's already six three or six four, hundred ninety pounds. He's, he's a freshman right now, about to be a sophomore. Good chance he's on varsity. They're de they're deciding whether or not they want him on varsity or, or JV, where he's going to develop better. Uh, but you know, Coach Morham speaks extremely highly of him. Says his his, his get off the ball is actually a little bit better than Dylan's, uh, and, and so that's going to be one to watch long term. Still waiting on this April 20 or the March 26th weekend. I know that a couple of guys come in earlier than that. And then the April 2nd weekend as well, right? In recruiting. Yeah. Dylan's coming in on the second with some teammates. Uh, there's a Levante Johnson as a DB that's worth noting. Uh, 2024, a good looking kid. His dad played at LSU. Uh, his dad was also drafted in baseball. Levante is a good baseball player. I love those guys that just have those uh, very uh, well-rounded skill sets. And so Levante is one to watch as, a, as an offer down the road, maybe not necessarily right now, but he's he's got sort of corner movement skills, but in a safety body. Got it. Um, so Eric, uh, this is a special week uh, on Inside Texas. Texas starts spring ball next week. 
Uh, that's one of the things we're going to talk about here on the state of the program, a, a weekly episode we do. But at Inside Texas, we have a special promotion right now, uh, trying to get people to, to understand what we do and, and introduce them to the work here through the YouTube channel or through the podcast. Uh, but for those people still on the fence about subscribing to, to Inside Texas, give them the, the spiel of what we're, we're doing right now for first-time subscribers. Yeah, well, the first thing we're doing is fighting inflation uh, for them on their behalf. Uh, you know, it's only it's only a dollar for four months, and I think four months will give you a good idea of what's going on uh, on Inside Texas. You know, there's always highs and lows through the offseason. There's, you know, we're coming out of a bit, of, a bit of a lull right now with the with spring starting up. But it's not just spring football where I think we shine. We also shine with recruiting information. Uh, and both are about to heat up simultaneously. Not only do you have a, a lot of guys that are, are going to visit uh, for the for the known weekends, there's going to be guys that come in uh, for practices to check things out as well. And we'll have the latest info on them. Uh, but I think our, our team information has been unparalleled for a very long time as far as uh, you know, we're going to know what happened through, throughout each practice or at least have a good idea. We're going to tell you who's ascending on the depth chart, maybe who's underperforming uh, expectations as well. And so I think we have the best, best uh, pulse on the team. And, uh, you know, four months is a good time for you to, or, or a good amount of time for you guys to get a feel for what we provide, uh, but also a, a long enough time to get to know the message board as well. Every, every community has its own personality. Uh, I think we have a pretty smart community relative to uh, how smart an online community can be you know there's always a, there's a, there's a ceiling on those anyway but uh, it, it's it's a good time to sign up and check us out yeah I, I tell you what the thing that grabs me and, and um, I was working for other sites in the past right um, I feel like inside Texas I think you're correct that uh, it's always had a, a grasp on the interior of the team of what's really going on behind the curtain uh, so to speak so <clears throat> kudos on that. Uh, as we move forward in this uh, state of the program um, uh, episode, one thing I want to do with you now is take you through a piece that Ian Boyd wrote uh, this morning that I thought was terrific, by the way. Uh, very detailed analytical piece on, you know, how uh, some of the spring things may play out position by position. And I know that you have, uh, that we have a, a list of stuff coming over the next week or so, uh, trying to detail each and every position, you know, what's there, what's expected, and then even what's on the come uh, in the recruiting class. But uh, let's start with the overall of the offense. Uh, Ian says he thinks that it's going to be a very RPO happy offense, most likely, yeah. and that that's because of the talent uh, at the wide receiver position, as well as helping out uh, the quarterbacks, because that's what the quarterbacks he thinks do well. Right. Well, yeah, the spirit of Ian's piece was more about what the coaches have to accomplish. A lot of times we get hung up on what the players have to accomplish. Uh, obviously, this is a very big offseason for Sarkeesian and his staff, every bit as much as for the individual players. So spring is about getting people in a, comfortable with within their strengths. And uh, both quarterbacks should excel with a quick release in the RPO game, but also they have the personnel for it. And if, if they don't have if, if you know, it's going to be really a, a combination of of what personnel package wins out. Is it's 12 personnel or 11 personnel. Uh, and that could come down to who's a better RPO receiver between uh, Jordan Whittington and uh, Jaleel Billingsley. Uh, and so, you know, that's going to be something to watch. But it, it's definitely a way to take take pressure off the run game, also open up the deep passing game, uh, but also get these quarterbacks in a good rhythm early on. And, you know, in, the RPO is all about quickness and, and delivery and, and accuracy. And both quarterbacks should excel in that. Um, you know, we, we saw RPOs uh, all too infrequently last year. Uh, and I, I think a couple of the uh, post-game comments would <laughs> – 
would kind of underline why, you know, Casey Thompson uh, said after one game, you just kind of close your eyes and throw it out there. And I'm thinking that's probably not what, that's probably why they don't run them as much. Um, but Quinn Ewers, obviously lightning release. Uh, Hudson Card has a great release too, an accurate pinpoint. And so, yeah, it's RPO should be a big part of it. Uh, that that's, that's, I think if you get that going, that's a constant you can go in, into every single game, making the other ones defend. And then that opens up everything else. So the coaches want to focus on that, you think, and try to really drive that home this, this spring. Uh, what about the running backs? I mean, obviously, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson are, are known quantities. Keelan Robinson showed uh, a great amount of burst last year in spot duty. Uh, yeah. was terrific on special teams as well. Um, what are you hearing that the coaches are hoping to accomplish in the run game uh, in uh, 2023 for this, or 2022 for this spring? Yeah, Ian mentioned that, you know, Fishard Choices is, is uh, inheriting a very good experienced room. So he doesn't have a whole lot to do with uh, with with uh, Rashawn and Bijan. Uh, Ian said you got to get the, the younger running backs up to speed. I would take it a step further. And I, I think they're going to get I think they're going to make a concerted effort to get more dangerous in the screen game. And I think that that's going to uh, center more around Keelan Robinson, uh, taking advantage of his speech, uh, his speed and, and ability to find space. Uh, once he gets a crease, he's going to he's going to pick up yards uh, rapidly. So I'm thinking that we're going to hear a lot more about the screen game. Texas has been notoriously bad uh, operating the screen game going back to, I don't know, you know, 2008, 9, 10. It's been terrible for a long time, really. Uh, I think that you're going to hear a lot more about the screen game, and I think that's going to be an emphasis to get uh, Keelan Robinson's speed on the field. Interesting. Uh, so what about the wide receiver group? And one thing that I agree with Ian on, and I think that, that people are picking up on, is the receiver group as a whole is extraordinarily talented, given the uh, given the the presence of Xavier Worthy and how just how good he was a year ago. Jordan Whittington, when healthy, is very uh, he's the third down chain mover that um, uh, Ian discussed in his article. And then Isaiah Nayor, you bring some guy on that you know frankly dominated his competition. And, I mean, Wyoming was a horrible passing offense. Yep. And he was the lone lone star of that. And then you have other people like uh, Jaleel Billingsley they brought in. But, you know, from the wide receiver group, what do you really think they're they're looking at, at getting to this this spring? Well, it's a much more explosive group at wide receiver for sure. So you're going to want to take advantage of that. You know, Jordan Whittington uh, is testing as the second fastest uh, player on the team, not wide receiver. Uh, and some people have questioned us on that. But you can go. He actually gave the game away when uh, when Worthy uh, put out a tweet. Uh, saying that he had the fastest uh, time uh, he, and he directed that towards Whittington for a reason because Whittington I guess he made a claim that he had the fastest one that week uh, but that's not saying that Whittington would win 100 or whatever but you know his top speed as measured by miles per hour is the second fastest on the team uh, and then you got uh, Nair who we, we know he's he's a deep threat as well uh, I, I'm more concerned about developing uh, the guys behind them um, you know there needs to be another slot emerge. Obviously, if something happens with Whittington, that's going to force you to put uh, put Worthy there probably full time, and you want to you want to retain that flexibility to be able to move Worthy around wherever you want rather than isolating him in one spot. Uh, so they need to figure out slot. Um, and I, you know, I, I think um, you know the front front line talent is there. I, I'd love to see Marcus Washington take another uh, another step. I think he improved some last year. He's definitely getting open. Once he converts a big player to, I think he's going to be a big asset as well as as a, as a fourth receiver. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you want to take advantage of the speed and I think they have a lot more of it this year than last year. One of the things that, uh, uh, Ian hit on at tight end, Eric, was the versatility of the tight end room. Uh, there's not only talent, but there's some things they do differently from one another that, that he thinks 
finding the right mix is likely the big component of what coaches want to try to accomplish this, uh, this, this, this spring. Yeah. He mentioned blocking as being, you know, kind of the first point of emphasis and probably the second point of emphasis. And I would I entirely agree with that. Uh, we've mentioned that before on this show, uh, but yeah, it, you know, there's no point to bring, you didn't bring in Billingsley to not uh, get him down the field. And, you know, he's running in line, his speed is running in line with the middle of the pack of the wide receivers. So uh, we had heard that he is, uh, you know, sort of beastly out there as an athlete, but those numbers suggest that that's true, you know, given his size. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, You know, they're going to want to mix and match, but I think Jatavian Sanders is the one that I'm going to be watching the most. Uh, We've we've, uh, reported that he's... um, probably more committed than ever, uh, making a lot of strides. Uh, and him and Helm are going to have a heck of a, a, a battle as far as who's that first tight end that rolls out there. You know, Helm probably has the advantage as a blocker right now. Uh, but if Jatavian Sanders becomes, you know, just just passable in that regard, then he's going to be a very dangerous uh, weapon because then, then you're going to have him out there for more snaps and that'll open up passes uh, or passing opportunities to him. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, you mentioned Jatavian. Uh, Sanders, Juan Davis, obviously, Gunnar Helm, the, the blocking uh, option, most people believe, uh, at least at the outset. Uh, Billingsley uh, is, is another, uh, just, it, it's another weapon, uh, you know, which I, I just, I feel like as I'm, and even this, this carries over to recruiting, Eric, and, I, and I'd like to know what you think about that. You know, Texas is looking for weapons on offense as much or more than they are I mean, I, I like Marcus Washington as a player. I think he's a glue guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you need those. But is he a weapon? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't categorize him truly as a weapon like you would a Xavier right. Worthy or a Nayor or even a Billingsley. In recruiting, is this carrying over in large part to the type of kids they're recruiting for the offensive skill spot? I know you want to say they're weapons, but oftentimes they don't end up that way. Yeah, I mean, I would say it definitely is, especially the guys that they're targeting at wide receiver. I think you make the case that they're going to try to just create an assembly line of uh, guys that can, you know, take the top off like Xavier Worthy, without a doubt. Tight end, uh, you know, I don't see them really recruiting a, a Jaleel Billingsley right now. They tried last year with the kid that I think signed with uh, Florida. Uh, forget his name. But, you know, they're always looking for that dy- dynamic uh, piece. I don't really see that tight end in this class uh, necessarily. I've seen a lot of uh, good two-way tight ends that, you know, are, are part blocker, part receiver, uh, more of those inline guys. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a, a lot of uh, the seam stretchers that we see in the NFL uh, available. They're just kind of rare, uh, but definitely wide receiver. They're targeting guys left and right. When we're writing our previews each week uh, for each position, we go into uh, basically the nuts and bolts of it, who left, who, who, you, who you expect to, to start in the spring. Uh, but then we're also offering our insider notes on the each position, uh, that we hear from workouts and, and such. And then also uh, we go into detail on the recruiting big board as well. So yeah, the, the, those wide receivers that they're targeting definitely have the speed that they're looking for. Yep. Um, interior of the offensive line, Ian says they're looking for one guy on the interior uh, to help uh, cement the, the starting five in spring. But then you have guys like Devon Campbell, Kelvin Banks coming in the summer. 
so really, what are they trying to accomplish? What are the coaches trying to accomplish this spring with the O-line? I think Flood would feel incredibly comfortable starting uh, Hayden Connor at guard next year. Um, you know, I, even tomorrow, I think you'd feel comfortable. He, he really raves about Connor behind the scenes. And so that's probably going to be your guy that, that, uh, that takes over for the departed Okafor, uh, Tope Omade tandem that they had last year. And then you've got Angelo, of course, and Majors, who apparently is well over 300 pounds now. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of questions about the interior run, uh, as far as run game goes. And I think they should be uh, pretty good in the pass protection. Certainly Hayden Connor is a quasi tackle. And when you, you, you kind of have those somewhat tackle traits, you should be a good, you should be more than passable at guard. Plus he's very big. So he's not going to be bull rushed by the bigger uh, defensive uh, uh, tackles and interior players. So I think he's going to be good there, but it's, it's all about you know, he's going to try to get his best five right now, and then he's going to worry about the best five uh, come come August when the, when the rest of those guys are on campus. And so he's going to get these guys up to speed as much as possible. I think what Ian really uh, – the, the best point Ian made there was the concern about the tackles. You know, there's, there's bodies to try out there, but uh, I don't think they necessarily offer a ton of hope, at least based on what we saw uh, last year. You know, uh, that's the offense as a whole. And, you know, you and I both – could see them being an A plus or an A offense in year year one or year one with yours or or year part of year two with um, Hudson Card, but you don't see them being worse than a C plus offense, right? I mean that's like the 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 gap between where they could be and where they likely will be is not very large, um, at least as I see it. This, but the counter to that is we talk defense. And I think it could be all over the map, it, in part because they were so bad for so much of last year. Uh, but there's still a lot of question marks as we head into spring ball. Um, up front, uh, for instance, I think the interior looks pretty good. Coburn, Ojomo, Sweat, uh, Murphy, Byron Murphy, is, it's played so well late last year. But the, ex, the, the edge of that is not as strong. You're still waiting. We're, they're still waiting on O'Shawn Mathis via the portal young man from TCU that Texas is recruiting really hard. Um, my, my thought here is, do you feel the same way about the, the, the gap between the offense and the defense of what, of what expectations are and how confident you are in those expectations? And then secondarily, who are going to be those outside guys uh, in, this, in, this, in this defense and what are they expecting in the spring? Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not super excited about the defense going into next year. You know, soft edges are always scary, and then they're also uh, susceptible to the run up the middle. You know, the defensive tackles are going to have to play great uh, to, to stop the run at the point of attack and not let them get to that second level. And then the second level is going to have to be, do a great job to not let them get to the third level. I'm, I'm, I'm quite concerned about run support from safety, and I'm, I'm quite concerned about the linebackers getting their run fits. Uh, you know, nothing has changed from from when we saw last year, in my, in my view, um, you know, you know, Jeff Choate's going to earn his money as far as developing those guys. And Kwiatkowski doesn't necessarily have the pieces. Um, you know, I, I do think that Baron Sorrell is going to be good, but he's only a second-year player. And I think Justice Finkley is going to be good, but he's only a first-year player. And so there are big question marks about them. And that's why you mentioned O'Shawn Mathis, and he's such a big need. Uh, and, and, you know, on the other side, uh, Ovio Gofu, um, you know, who's behind him even, you know, we'll figure that out soon. Is it, you know, Prince Dorba's had a pretty good spring at, uh, or uh, workout, winter offseason workouts. So that's good. That's promising. Uh, but, you know, he, he had, there were too many soft edges on that side of the ball too, on that side of the field as well. So 
I, I'm, I'm very concerned about the defense. I feel pretty good about the corners. And I feel pretty good about the defensive tackles and everything else is a giant question mark. I, I completely agree. I mean, that's that's the way I look at it. Um, the one, you, you know, Ian's piece, mentioned, we talk about linebackers. Ian's piece mentioned uh, that he felt like uh, both Jalen Ford and David Benda were more of that prototypical linebacker size, whereas DeMarvian Overshone um, is going to have to get by with light, lightning quick reflexes or instincts, I think right, is yep. the term yeah, he used. Yeah, Overshone has to beat people to spots, and that only comes if you're thinking really fast, and I don't think we've ever really seen that from him. That's It's just, a, you know, it's a processing thing. You can be, uh, you know, you could be Chris Spielman back there and, and run four nine and make plays all over the field just because you know where it's going. Or, you know, Mike Singletary wasn't fast either. You know, these are some throwbacks and the game has changed quite a bit. Uh, but those guys didn't get by on athletic traits. Um, you know, physically, physically and athletically, Ford and, and Benda on paper are a fantastic pair. You know, those are kind of the prototype that you're looking for nowadays. They can both run. They can both plug. Uh, but it's all it's all in their head, you know. How fast do they process? And that's that's where I'm saying Jeff Choate is really going to earn it, going to have to earn his money. Uh, yeah, I do wonder about Overshawn. I wondered about him going into last year, and I still wonder about him going into this year. Uh, the athleticism was obviously there, but the only way he really uh, dominates is if he's kept clean, and that comes that starts up front. And so you know that that brings in those question marks that we just had about the edges again uh, persisting. So that. You know, there's a lot of unfavorable returns where one 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 weakness led to a further weakness down the road, and then, and then that weakness led to another one at safety. And, and so, you know, they've got to bolster them up front, and that starts with the, the soft edges, but also the linebackers need a lot of development as well. It's interesting. Um, I think we could agree that Oshawn Mathis probably satisfies one requirement of the two edge players, right? The, yep. the other side, though, they're really hoping that Ovio Gofu improves. Because athletically, he he has some talent. I mean, we we saw that. Um, as a player, however, he has a lot of holes. Yeah, he overruns a lot uh, and doesn't necessarily see things extremely well. Uh, maybe more more time actually playing uh, helps him go into this off season in this new scheme. I mean, because he came in fresh from a new scheme, it wasn't anything like what he played at at Notre Dame. Uh, so perhaps it's there. You mentioned corner. Uh, you're pretty satisfied with with where they're at there. A lot of changes in the secondary. You and I both uh, have talked about this. It, it's going to be trying to get the best five defensive backs on the field. We know that Deshaun Jameson is likely one of them. Um, it's outside of that, though. Do we know anybody for sure that's going to be a starter or is it maybe Anthony Cook, I guess? Yeah, Anthony Anthony Cook's definitely going to start somewhere. Uh, I think Ryan Watts is pretty much locked in to start. I'd be I'd be really surprised if he didn't start at corner. Uh, <clears throat> he's running really well. He's big and physical and all that. And and you know the bigger and physical you are, the the less fast you have to be. But he's still plenty fast. So I, I look for him to start. I think him and Jamison are, are pretty much going to be locks to start uh, opening game. You know the um, the development behind them is more about you know they're gonna they're gonna rotate in. We saw that you know quite a bit last year. You know Jade Barron played corner quite a bit. Uh, Darian Dunn played corner quite a bit. So even though you're gonna have your starters, I think Terrence Brooks will play. Uh, maybe Jalen Gilbo gets in there. Maybe some of the other corners that they have, Jameer Johnson. Um, but you know Jade Barron, I think is gonna be part of that best five too. So how do you keep him off the field? You, you probably don't. You put him at nickel, uh, and then if you put him at nickel, you're probably moving Jaron Thompson to free safety. That means you're putting uh, Cook at, at boundary safety, which is, you know, this should be very, these, these safeties should be good in coverage. I'm quite concerned about them in, in run support. You know, Anthony Cook is, is 
he's put on a lot of weight in his time. He's bigger than I ever thought he could actually get. Uh, and he's moving really well at that size. Uh, maybe not, you know, you know, his long speed is, is, is not great for corner, but it's plenty good for safety. Uh, he's got great hips and, um, he's a physical player, plays with a lot of physicality despite his size, but I, I just don't see him as a boundary safety. Um, you know, that's going to take its toll on him, I think. So that's where you got to, you still got to find that guy in the portal if you can, but the, 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 the the secondary should be really good in coverage. I mean, it, you've got coverage defenders all over the field. The corners are solid, uh, and your safeties profile to more coverage guys than they do run support, which, you know, that's that's a concern. Justin Wells of Inside Texas uh, had mentioned that Keaton Crawford's trying some safety as well. Um, they're clearly trying, and, and this is the thing about the defense, as we talked about the, the offense versus the defense and something that the coaches are clearly going to be attempting to do in spring ball is find the best 11, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that there is no place that has more pieces that they've got to find the best five than the secondary, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they have they have options galore all over the place. That's that's part of the intrigue is, is figuring out how they all fit. You know, I mean, because I can see a lot of these guys can play multiple positions, you know. When you're talking about linebackers, I was, I was about to say put Jed Bush over there to help versus the run. You know, if he's a – uh, um, if he's if he's capable, you know, in quotation marks of playing Jack, then he should be able to play Buck no problem and, and provide you a physical pre uh, presence that maybe Ogufu doesn't have. So th there's pieces all over that, that can move around. Jade Barron could probably even play safety if they had to. Um, you know, Keaton Crawford, I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like at safety because I think he can play with that physicality that you need at, at boundary safety. But here's the problem. Does he know where to go? Um, you know, safety, safety is a – he's playing an entirely different ball game from corner uh, to safety in the middle of the field, you got to be a lot better with your eyes. There's a lot more going on. Uh, and I think that's where Cook definitely has an edge on him. He's been on the field a whole lot more. Uh, and then J.D. Coffey and your guy, Brian Allen, he's going to figure in too. You know, they, they speak very highly of Brian Allen. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to have high expectations for any true freshman, and he's got some older guys ahead of him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays this year. Uh, you know, I feel like um, Texas is a couple players away or a couple of solutions away on defense, right? Um, and so mentioning that and the, the portal has been such a big deal, right? For uh, the offense, Quinn Ewers, uh, Isaiah Nayor, Jalil Billingsley. On defense, really only Ryan Watts, uh, the, the corner, which as you think is a, a immediate starter for Texas. They're still looking uh, for O'Shawn Mathis in the portal. Are they still yep. looking at a linebacker and a safety in, in the portal possibly for Texas right now? Yeah, they'll absolutely take one if the right one comes in. You know, it, it'll probably be a guy that hits the portal and a day later has a Texas offer that, you know, that'll tell you what they're when they really like a guy. The other there are some options in there that they're evaluating. They're just not in love with and they want to see what else comes available. You know, that's that's sort of a waiting game. But, yeah, you know, this whole season is going to be about question marks and answering those questions. So we, we're having entirely different conversations this time next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's a, a lot of upside at, at Texas uh, going into 2022. I think there's also a lot of uh, uh, talent on hand, but at the same time, there's there's uh, there's the possibility that we it's this is why they they go practice. Uh, Inside Texas will be there uh, every day uh, that we're allowed to be. Uh, we'll have Inside Scoop on, on behind the scenes stuff as well. Uh, before we get going, Eric, I want you to to explain the deal one more time. Uh, for Inside Texas uh, subscribers and what they can get uh, by subscribing to, to Inside Texas right now? 
Yep, it's uh, four months for one dollar. Uh, you not only get access to Inside Texas, but also the uh, thriving on three network. Um, you know, so if you want to go read about other websites, it's it's a growing uh, network. There's, but there's still Alabama, there's Georgia, there's Clemson, there's Notre Dame, there's Michigan, there's Oregon, there's you know there's 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 more, and then there's more on the way. Um, so yeah, you should come in four months, one dollar. Uh, and I know some people don't sign up to things because they're they're hard to cancel. Uh, some of our uh, competitors might make it as, as hard as impossible as possible. Uh, we don't want you to cancel, but uh, it's it's entirely in your control whether or not you do. It's you not you don't have to call anybody or anything. It's right there, one touch away. Yep, I think it's a great deal. Uh, once in once in a blue moon, we we do something like this, and this is that opportunity. Uh, four months for one dollar. Uh, Eric Nalin of InsideTexas.com. Thanks for your time. This has been this week's On Texas Football State of the Program with the publisher of Inside Texas. Thanks, guys.